Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to post-episode issues. The Game of Thrones, Season 1, Episode 2, The King's Road. And we're on our way down the King's Road. It's a dangerous place to go for two, two uh, hippie boys like us. Yeah, it's a very dangerous way to roll down the King's Road. But we're here to, to journey that way, heading up north to the Wall. We're back to talk more Game of Thrones. Uh, sorry this we didn't give anybody pre-warning, so if anyone can't check this out live, we hope that you share your thoughts about the second episode of Game of Thrones in the comment section below. And also, as we're approaching episode three that we're going to be talking about next week, if anyone has any questions about that episode ahead of time, please email me at, at igotissuesman at gmail.com. And uh, you can get in any questions you want about the next episode so we can answer them at that show so we can get ahead of this stuff and we can uh, date back. So if anyone hasn't already checked out our videos, we do recaps of different television shows and we've decided to go back and watch all of Game of Thrones and recap the entire series. So uh, if you're into Game of Thrones and you're curious about watching that, please hit that subscribe button. With me, as always, is my co-host on this adventure, Joe Dirty Locks. Hey, Joe. Hey, it's good to be with everybody out there. Sorry we couldn't give a pre-warning. Yeah, it happens, though. I mean, sometimes we just need to fit it in, you know, slip it in the right spot and stick it in there whenever we can get these recaps out there. Uh, to give you a little pre-warning, if any of you are interested in Vikings, we'll be doing Vikings probably around 8.39 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturday evening. Uh, the, the date is the 21st, I believe, Saturday the 21st of yeah, February. So let's get right into Game of Thrones. Let's not waste any time and get into talking about the second episode of the series, Joe. Uh, now, we start off our, st our whole episode with our credits, but our credits are different than the first episode, Joe. We see different places. Is this going to happen every time? I hope so. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting map. You know, it's fun to look at. It is. It's it's like watching one of those a real life mouse trap uh, board game going, but uh, in the Game of Thrones world, it's it's pretty yeah. interesting. I'd love to see if they sold models like that so you could recreate that and then uh, knock it all down. I got the, the pop up book. That kind of <laughs> counts, right? Welcome, Ren Ren. We're glad you got to check this out and and uh, join us for this adventure here today. And uh, and yeah, so the intro was different. I really like that, and I hope they keep it up. I, I wonder if if the locations that they show in the, in the intro are going to be the locations that we learn about in the episode, because it seemed that was the case tonight. Yeah, no, that's that would be a great idea if they did that. It will. I remember looking forward to it in the future. Yeah, I remember when we got in that, since we've got into the DeLorean and traveled 88 miles per hour back in time to before we watched Game of Thrones and we're talking about this for the very first time. Because you know, I, I, I was, I, I always remember being very excited to see if that map changed every week. And, yeah. and if, even if it didn't change every week, when it does change, it's fun to see and notice. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and I just think it's funny because I know from reading some of the comments of the first episode, we, ha we do have a few people checking in with us that are checking in for the very first time that are watching Game of Thrones for the first time. So we both need to, and people in the comment section, please try to stay, I may remove some spoilers as they're posted if I think that they're a little bit too much because I want to try to keep this, keep this as a safe place for first timers. And here's and here's the thing too. Uh, this let this be, yeah, let this be a warning to everybody right now. Uh, 
we will try. Try. And that's the line. There is there is no do or do not in this situation. Yes. There is only, only try. try. We might get ourselves carried away. We we love the series. We might and slip up. May come out of our mouth that you're going to be upset. You heard, but we will definitely definitely try not to do that. And especially on some of the bigger events, we'll try not to do that. We may we may slip up from time to time, but. Oh, Ren Renwood just happened to pull herself out of a sick sick bed at the right time. Well, we we're we're really sorry that you're sick, and we give you if we weren't wouldn't get sick too, we'd give you a hug and say say we hope you feel better and hope listening to us bullshit about Game of Thrones can help distract you from being sick just a, a little bit. Sucks. It's the season. So our episode opens up with the credits, as we said, showing Pentos. And that's where we open up and we show the Dothraki grassland and we see Daenerys and she's riding on a horse traveling with uh, her new husband's tribe. Now, you can tell that she's not having a good time. She's tired. She's sick. She just doesn't look like she's had a good meal. She, even though they have been oh, she ousted. She hasn't had a good meal. There's, all, there's two things that Dothraki have in, in abundance, in grass and horses. Abundance. Yeah, grass yeah. and horses, and she's not eating the grass. But I guess it's 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 important to mention that Daenerys, even though they got ousted from their rightful place as, I mean, not them, their older brother, but as heirs to the throne as this hierarchy, they they didn't go into living in squalor. They went and lived with this guy that really took care of them, gave them all the creature comforts that they're used to. So putting Daenerys in this situation is a real shock to the system. She must just be like, holy fuck, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. That's just a hell of a long friggin' horse ride. Yeah. There's no carriage. There's no nothing like that. This is her on horseback in the baking prairie sun. Mm-hmm. So uh, Jorah Mormont comes up to her and offers her something to drink, and she asks if they have anything else to eat. And this is where she says the line that Joe said, the Dothraki have two things in abundance, grass and horses, and people can't live on grass. I guess you could if you had to. You know, there's probably moisture in there. You could live, you could, yeah, yeah it depends I'll what kind of crap. Go ahead and say no to uh, <laughs> all of that. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, Katie. This you... isn't earth grass either. This is uh, <laughs> this is weird Essaros grass. That that uh, it's right. It's yeah. it's it's desert grass essentially. And uh, then he goes on goes on and starts talking about the place where the well, he e gives her the jerky and the look on her face when she takes another bite of like the horse jerky. Yeah, is it's just like it's Aah. disgusting. It's disgusting. And he starts telling her a little bit more about grass, and he tells her about in the Shadowlands and the Shy, and that's where the eggs came, where her eggs were brought to her from. She said, he says that there are fields of go that the Dothraki believe that there are fields of ghost grass that murder all grasses, other grass, and one day that ghost grass will take over all lands, and that's how the world will end. And, and yeah, all she cares, but all she cares about is food. The Dothraki are very scary. The Dothraki are what? I said the Dothraki are very scary people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ren says, I, guys, I don't know why, but the quality of the video is going in and out, just saying. Hmm, let me look into that. I apologize. Is, can you, is, uh, is uh, my signal okay with you, Joe? Uh, I believe so. Okay. I took down my settings a little bit. Uh, Ren, tell me if this helped, if this helped out at all. So one day the grass will take over the world and that's how it will end. 
and uh, she wants to eat more. She doesn't care. She just gets frustrated by the whole situation and is just like, oh, God. Joramorum tells her it will get easier, but Daenerys doesn't look like she's buying that line of bullshit. She's just like, this, this is not going to get easier. My ass hurts from all the bad stuff, <laughs> from riding on the stallion and getting ridden by the stallion. And, and then we see her three maids help her off a horse and walk her to the tent. And uh, as she's like limping in there, and she, she, yeah, it's it is amazing she can walk. She's never spent this much time on horseback. No, no and way. she and she really can barely walk. She's having a lot. She's having a lot of problems, no doubt. And you're not used to that, that's gonna kill you. Yeah, you got you got to figure that's it's got to be really hard for you to deal with that stuff. And suddenly you're living basically a pampered lifestyle, and then you're on horseback with a gang of Do- Dothraki hoarders. Not to mention what happens to her probably most nights of the week that she is in bed with a, you know, Dothraki horde leader. Yeah. Khal Drogo. Yeah, Rocky Clifftop. Her knees must have been destroyed. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like her palms and her knees. Yeah. Yeah, she's, she's in bad shape. Like I- it's definitely brutal for her right now. Thank you, Ren. It is bad. I adjust the uh, signal a little bit, so let's see if that that ends up working out. You might need to see my face a little closer up than normal. <laughs> but other I than closed, that, I closed my video playback, so you cool. might be able to turn your uh, video back up. Yeah. Okay, cool, excellent. So here we go, T- uh, Ren. Keep me posted if it ends up getting crappy again. So we see the uh, Dothraki group horde in action, making camp, and uh, and it's 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 really cool. What I like about this show right off the bat is we're seeing a lot of different locations right away. We saw Winterfell, we saw King's Landing. Now we're seeing the Dothraki Sea area. It's very cool how the production value of the show gets the most out of each location and creates a very different kind of feel depending on where they are. Yep. Especially in season one, absolutely. Katie is correct. They did a lot with what they had for season one. It was very, very good. Now, uh, Jorah then talks to Viserys, and I got to admit, this is the one one of the few scenes where he doesn't come off as a total dick. He comes off as a little dick, but you can tell he's trying. I, You almost respect where he's coming from with this, because Jorah suggests that he return to Pentos, live in the high life. Why are you dealing with this shit when you don't have to deal with this shit? Wait in comfort. And he says, no, fuck that. I'm not waiting in comfort. I'm staying right the fuck here. Till yeah, that- until I get my men and get them on a boat and go get my kingdom, I ain't going anywhere. I'm going to remind him every day that he owes me. Right. And you got to give him, he's got balls for that. I mean, st- stupidity, yes. Arrogance, yes. But a little balls for that. I got to yeah. give him. Well, you got to be thinking like, what does this kid have? He has absolutely nothing. He's got the magister of this town and that's it. And now he's not there with that magister anymore. This is like, He's in the middle of nowhere. This is a the Dothraki horde. They just travel around murdering <laughs> villages and shit. What you know, like he really shouldn't be there. He's in grave danger. He is in grave danger. And I don't even understand exactly his mindset for being there. I mean, I like I said, I I respect the balls, ego, but right. is it ego? You think is yep. his ego to just need to be around all the time and be overseeing the situation? It's. Absolutely. He wants his kingdom. He's he's ego. He's vanity. It's he's the he's the rightful heir, and he he wants it back, and he's entitled, complete entitlement. So he talks to insight into his situation, into himself, because he doesn't need it. Nobody's ever 
told him he's wrong. And that's what I find kind of strange. Yeah, he may be growing up a prince, but uh, or an exiled prince. I'm just a little surprised he wasn't smacked around a little bit more in this foreign land. Yeah, I, you got to figure he was isolated, or him and Daenerys for that period of time until they, until they, until now. He, both of them must have been isolated and kept pampered and kept treated not much differently from the way that they have been treated in the past. Right, with just a couple of like supremely loyal to the family kind of people. Yeah, it it only filled them up, and it makes sense if we look back to the last episode with what. Uh, the host is is filling what information he keeps filling Viserys' head with. Oh, people at home are are wishing you well. They are calling Robert usurper, and I mean we hear that from Robert's perspective this evening in this episode. So we know that there is some element of truth to that, or at least to the family, to the Targaryen family, that there are some people in Westeros that 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 would welcome a return of a Targaryen. Of course, there were lots of families that were on the Targaryen side. It was a war. The country was split. It was a civil war. There's lots of people that were loyal to the Targaryens that will forever uh, think of uh, Baratheon as the usurper, the, the barbarian who came in and murdered families yep. because his loved one, because his because uh, a couple of people he knows were killed. He started a war and killed thousands. Now, we get a really cool quote from Viserys here when referencing this. As brutish as this life is, it's better than behead, beheading if Robert ever found me. So he has, a, he has at least a mild perspective of, and I, what I wrote in my notes is he's almost bearable in this scene. Saying things like that where you understand that he at least understands what's going on to some extent makes him a little bit more of a tragic figure in some ways you can or at least you can look wh why his mind's all fucked up the way he is at least that's why i i mean you're shaking your head uh, you think of him bit. as just a little bitch but if someone's brought up in this feeling like they can't do any wrong they i mean it's not right but it's a fact of who he is it well it may be the fact of who he is but it's hard for me for a character to come back from scenes such as uh his opening up his sister's robe and glaring at her and yeah i'd let uh all of his men and all of his horses fuck you to get my kingdom back like <laughs> i hear you no. any kind of sorrow or or tragic sympathy for him in a the theatrical sense whatsoever no i i hear you i just i guess in this he's on that path for me and he's only there for one for one reason to make sure viserius fucks the hell out of this guy so he gets his fucking horde to cross the sea He's just such a freaking idiot that it should be common knowledge that the Dothraki don't put their fucking horses on boats. Right? Has that been – did I just spoil? No, <laughs> That's no. That's been talked about, isn't it? They won't cross the salt water. It, it gets talked about tonight. In this episode, Ned says it to uh, to Robert when Robert brings up being afraid that – Daenerys married this guy. Uh, we'll talk about it later, but just to make reference because we're talking about it now, uh, Ned's reaction to the Do the hundred thousand person Dothraki horde is uh, there could be a million fucking Dothraki. They don't go on boats, Robert. They don't have a fleet, and if they did come, we'd knock their dumb asses back into the into the ocean. Right. And and to to some point where I think Ned Stark is is uh, being a little pig-headed. I think Robert has a better read on this situation than Ned does personally, where Robert feels like a war is coming, that these people are to be feared. And I do think if the Dothraki happened to land on Westeros, that would be a bad situation. That wouldn't be a good situation. 
he's he's it's it's what's on his mind, right? And he knows that John Aaron most likely died of some sort of suspicious circumstance. And maybe doesn't know why, but you know, his hand of the king is dead. Um there's a lot going on. Those the woman just married a the girl just married a Dothraki lord. So he's kind of just thinking like he's he's starting to lose his empire, he his kingdom. He hasn't he hasn't kept watch of it. He's been out pouring and boring. You would think that um, you would think that hopefully he would have if he was gonna ignore his family and ignore his kids, that he would have spent a lot of attention and time on on protecting the realm and just being more of an iron hand of the king sort of sort of type king you got to imagine that the start of his reign started with him trying to drown the sorrows of losing ned's sister iliana or whatever no 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 that was uh that was the viper's sister what was uh liana we'll be clever We'll be corrected in the uh, comment section very very quickly in a second here. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and 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 that was probably a lot of time spent drunk in the bed of other women. Yeah. You know, he, as we know. Hence all so, the bastards. Right. So this conversation continues, and then Viserys asks him why Ned Stark wanted his head, and uh, he says uh, Zoris tells him that he caught some poachers on his land and he sold them to a slaver. Viserys kind of chuckles and says, under his rule, he wouldn't be punished for such nonsense. But you get the feeling, just to go to Jorah for a second here, you get the feeling like Jorah thinks he should have been punished for what he did. Jorah has this, like, look on his face when Viserys says that, like, no, Ned Stark was right. I fucked up. And and I I just, I I took that from his expression in his face, that he feels like he fucked up and he feels like, uh, you're wrong. wrong. He did it for a a quick buck to make his... Make his ex-wife happy. Per- perfect, Ren Redwood. She's she uh, sums up su- sums up the series in one word: entitlement. The kid the kid feels so entitled is 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 what it really comes down to. So after this interaction, we return to Winterfell and we find uh, Tyrion. We find our hero Tyrion Lannister waking up in a kennel with puppies. He's very hungover and he's cuddling with a doggy. It's cute. It's a great image. And uh, this Joffrey guy shows up. I, I, I'm not sure about him. Uh, I don't know if he's going to end up being a good guy or not. Maybe uh, maybe he can learn from some of these things. Like, this is a very important scene. And I hope he takes something from what happens in the scene and learns and becomes a better character as time goes. Because I think he may have potential here, this uh, Joffrey, to be, a, to be a good husband for Sansa. So we, we, I hope this goes on, goes on. We'll get into what happens in this episode where he shows a weird side that I, I want to explore a little bit. But So, we re- so he says, uh, fa- Uncle, better looking than most of the bitches you wake up with. And yeah, uh, he's, in a, he's in a he's in the stall with sleeping with dogs. Yeah, and and this is another person that we could use the word that Ren Renwood said. Another person that probably symbolizes the word entitlement. He oh, yeah. maybe every Lannister does, but especially Joffrey, who's not a Lannister, he's a Baratheon. A Baratheon. I would say I would say especially uh, Joffrey, um, and, and Jamie does it to a certain extent too. Jamie has all the Lannisters do. But fucking all the Lannisters do. Because yeah, I was just gonna say, oh, then Cersei, then Tywin, uh, I, they all fucking do. Yeah. So we were. So uh, Tyrion says, uh, or 
Joffrey says to him that we're going to be leaving for King's Landing today. Now, Tyrion asks Joffrey, tells him that he should give his sympathies to the Starks. Go there, go before them. And Joffrey's response is, what good it will it do? Uh, they, I didn't even know the boy. Nothing. And, uh, and Tyrion goes, no, your absence, your absence has been noted. You should really go in there and do something. And he, Joffrey continues, the boy means nothing to me. Which Tyrion's response is an accurate... Pimp slaps that bitch across the face. Joffrey, I think, I think he, you can even see like Tyrion like go up on his tippy toes and like he puts everything into it. He swivels his hips. Excuse me, I was wrong. I was incorrect. The line that causes Tyrion to slap him is when Joffrey complains that he can't abide the wailing of women. That yeah. that's when Tyrion slaps him, and then and then he gives him one of those. Say what one more time, motherfucker? He gives him the Sam Jackson. And Joffrey says, what? And he slaps him again. Yeah. And then Joffrey says, I'm going to tell my mom. And he pimp slaps him one more time. He gets three in. Flap, flap, flap. And Joffrey goes running off as uh, Tyrion yells, you will go to the Starks on your hands and knees and you will uh, tell them how sorry you are. And this is a I great, I love the hound. Yeah. And the hound goes, uh, he'll remember this. Uh, he'll remember that. Uh, little little master and uh, T Tyrion goes I hope he remembers that and I hope well, uh, and if he doesn't remind awesome. him it's interesting to see this be that the hound does absolutely nothing because the he's there to protect the prince right Tyrion is just the prince's uncle like the queen's brother like he's really not that he's not higher on the chain than Joffrey should be to the hound so I'm pretty sure the Hound should have stopped that. And I was like, kind of like, huh? It Why is the Hound not stopping the prince, the heir to the freaking throne from getting his face slapped? Even if it is, you know, uh, uh, the, his uncle slapping him. Oh my God, Joe. It seems a little strange. It's so difficult to not talk about future events, but I get the feeling that uh, the Hound doesn't really like or respect Joffrey that much. Is the feeling I'm getting here is that he? Nobody likes or respects Joffrey at all. I th I think he is supposed to be trying to like imply that that everybody knows that everybody knows that this kid needs some fatherly fatherly attention and needs someone to discipline him, and no one else is doing it. It is say it is worth mentioning that in the book, Joffrey in these situations comes off a little different. He's a little bit more of a. Uh, competent warrior not a warrior but can fight a little bit more comes off a little bit less uh whiny pussy and a little bit more uh cocky young jamie cocky thinking he's better than everybody and i think the way that jackie gleason plays joffrey plays him a little bit slimier and a little bit weaker than he's portrayed in the book from my perspective of reading joffrey in the book really yeah okay because they set up a lot of Joffrey versus Rob in the book and that they can fight and that they're going one-on-one -on -one against each other. You don't see any That's of true. any That's of that true. on the show because Rob would just fuck him up completely. And on the show, they make Joffrey seem like you couldn't even imagine him fighting. I mean, Arya takes him down a few minutes later on. And I mean, that happens, but you know what I'm saying? Like in the book, they go into how Joffrey and uh, Rob are competing and going against each other in these events that they have when they're visiting and all this shit. So I, I guess I thought of Joffrey as stronger, but then he then then visually they portray him here. But I still think they do a great. I still think this guy does a fucking amazing job. I just well, think it's I, a I think little different. Also, uh, when you have the young prince and he's in tournaments and stuff, people end up calling to him. 
Very true. So he gets cocky and he knows that those are games and those and those are practice swords or whatever. But or he'll he'll doesn't he do something like you like even when he does to the butcher boy, you use the practice sword, but I, I have a real sword. Right. Right. I guess I guess I feel like we should have probably, if that was the case, had one scene while they are at Winterfell, similar to the movie Gladiator, when we have a scene showing Joaquin Phoenix uh fighting with his uh minions and teaching him like the dancing of the fighting and showing that he's a badass in his own little universe just to show like him beating up a bunch of people to be like he thinks he's the balls or something instead they play off joffrey as he's just inept he's just a little fucking whiny pussy and he is he is he absolutely is so uh, joffrey runs through ultimately through the books like maybe not at the start i see what you're saying looking back at what i read but ultimately i think as the books progress that becomes comes off exactly how he's portrayed in this. A hundred, a hundred percent. I'm more talking about right, like how I read him in the in the Game of Thrones book. The initial yeah, I Game think of book. I think uh, George R. R. Martin wrote stuff and then kind of decided to evolve the character. Yeah, into- know, more that way, and almost went there immediately. It was like, eh, I don't want to rewrite that stuff. So. And and it's worth <laughs> mentioning and making reference to the letter that came out about the original design and the original. Uh, the original, his original vision for Game of Thrones, where uh, Joffrey, I believe, I believe faces is leading on the battlefield and is actually on the battlefield a few times again uh, at at times later in, without spoiling too much of events to come, which I almost did, but I won't. So we continue. <laughs> so ah, uh, Tyrion is excited. It's breakfast time. He joins his uh, brothers and his brother and sister and uh, the, and uh, their children. In the children sitting down there, uh, giving. I don't take notes. So. Oh, sorry. I was just disconnected for a second, so I'm back. Sorry about that. Did I, I completely disappear for a second? No, you didn't disappear. You were on screen. You just stopped talking. I was silent. Yeah, that I have. I've mentioned it before, but I have. It's like I'm on an episode of Lost here. I have this button. It's a power saver thing to uh, to make it sure like everything shuts off. And if I don't get to the button when it's blinking in time, my whole system go powers off. It's it's quite exciting. It's it's like again, it's like Lost where I yeah. 18, gotta 16. Put in the numbers. Yeah, I gotta put in the numbers. I had to put in the numbers. I almost fucked that up, guys. Sorry about the break. So, uh, so it's breakfast. Tyrion joins uh, the sister, brothers and sisters, and he says, "Give me some fresh, fresh uh, bread, fish, and uh, beer, and some bacon burned black." I love, I love Tyrion in this scene too. Like he's so relaxed, confident. You can see how much he really loves the kids. Yeah, absolutely. Like, he's not like the other kids, not Joffrey, but but uh, the girl and Tommen, Mycela and Tommen. Like he really likes them. He's He's really good with them. Yeah, and you get a feeling maybe, and which is why he slaps Joffrey or pimp slaps Joffrey around a bunch, uh, that he probably cared about Joffrey at a point in time too. He probably re- he's the only one that seems to be fucking trying with that kid. You, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, like I, mean, I agree with that assessment too. He, I agree with that. So in his way, he's showing affection for him because he's giving him what he thinks he needs, which is a a stiff fucking hand across the face. Yeah. And like I said, I hope Joffrey learns from this and becomes a better person over time. I think he has the potential to. Or maybe he has the potential to be a complete dick. We're going to see. 
So Marcella asks if Bran is going to die. And Tyrion says, apparently not. Cersei says, what do you mean? And they all, uh, Cersei and Jamie kind of. Going to pull through. Yeah, he's going to pull through. And uh, the looks that Jamie and, and uh, Cersei give each other there are, are pretty fun. Yeah, and Cersei's like, why make him linger in pain? He should just die. And he also says, uh, and Tyrion goes, the charms of the North are completely lost on you, my sister. Come on, enjoy. As Tyrion mentions that he's going to be going to the wall to check out, oh, the White Walkers. And Jamie's reaction is great. Oh, don't don't tell me you're going to take the black and and uh, protect our great kingdom, brother. No, my brother, you wound me. The uh, the whores would go break broke from here to, from Dorne to Casterly Rock. It's just fucking amazing stuff there. And and just And that's right in front of the kids too. And right yeah, where Cersei says, uh, the children don't need to hear this filth, I'm going off. And I made major notes. We're kind of skipping over a little of about ten or fifteen different times in the scene that Cersei was a complete cunt to Tyrion. I, I don't use that word lightly, but she was just a complete cunt to Tyrion. I'm sorry for the people that hate that word. He kinda, kinda goads him a little bit. Sure like to know what uh what the boy knows. Yeah, what he's going to yeah. say when he wakes up. Uh, I sure would yeah. love to hear what he says. What happened when he was uh, fell? Uh, I don't know. And Tyrion also mentions that the main reason he wants to go to the wall is so he can sit up at the top of the wall and piss off the wall. Yeah. Which, I can't lie. Uh, we we see, Have we seen someone piss off the wall later in night? Spoiler alert. I think we see someone later in time piss off the wall. And that was very exciting. It made me think of that scene. So the one spoiler for uh for... I mean, come on isn't that something uh, wouldn't you yeah and you're sitting there on top of the wall and you're on you're on watch or you're just visiting and you have a second nobody's around oh yeah but sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do yeah it would freeze you gotta be quick no. about... the, the... The, well, before it hit the ground definitely that's just you gotta figure katie not <laughs> katie not to get too much into the graphicness of men but you have to figure that there's some sort of night's watch invention for making sure your thing doesn't leave your thing in the uh the... Doesn't leave your thing. <laughs> in the world of always winter and uh, Ren Ren would add a pea cozy yeah a pea cozy yeah there's a pea co- a pea snuggie or a pea cozy in patent pended and uh ren renwood adds uh about the kids in Tyrion that and they love him back yeah you get the feeling in that scene big time we've got to mention that that marcella and uh tommen fucking love Tyrion. they just have such big smiles on their face when they're looking at them and they look so depressed when cersei drags their asses out of there like they just love him they love him so much because he's the only one that's probably nice to them and shows them love in the real way, you get a feeling that obviously Robert doesn't show them attention. Uh, Cersei is giving all of her attention to Joffrey probably because he's the oldest son and the successor to the king. And uh, Jamie is not a great uncle. <laughs> no, Jamie's not. He's uh, he's not. He's not the kind of uncle Tyrion is for sure. No, no. And uh, yeah, they are. They're narcissists. They're ego driven. They're caught up in their own thing. So Jamie, speaking of being ego driven, Jamie immediately when they left the, leave the room and it's just him and Tyrion, immediately brings back up Bran, saying that personally talking about himself, I'd rather die than live as a cripple or a grotesque. And Tyrion disagrees. He says, "Death is so final. Life is so full of possibilities." And then, well, this- that's a jab at him because he's he's a dwarf and can, like in the books, he's much more grotesque than 
than uh, you wonder, the actor portraying him. You, or yeah, people's perspective of him is more like that. You could. It's been argued that the book, since they're all from characters' perspectives, is you're always reading what people think, not necessarily what they really look like. And it could Tyrion could look the same exact way in that world of the book, but people just look at him like that. Oh, right, because because yeah, right, absolutely. But there's there are certain features that are. Right, like the, at the not eventually we get to a point where there's certain features that don't, or the the two color eyes it gets described a lot in the book. Right, the uh, supposed to have one one uh, blue eye and one brown eye. The bleach blonde hair, similar to Cersei and Jane, he's supposed to have like the same hair color. And I think even in episode two, they've ditched him, even trying to give him blonde hair. Uh, they tried a little bit in episode one, but I think as soon as this episode, they're already starting to say, eh. You know, we don't really have to worry. Too. Right on screen. <laughs> probably. That's probably, it probably just didn't look correct. So, uh, so Jamie brings him back up and he says he'd rather die than live as a cripple or grotesque. Speaking of the cripple and grotesque, uh, death is so final. Life is full of possibilities. And then he mentions he'd be interested in hearing what Bran has to say. And this is where Jamie says to him, my dear brother, I wonder what, whose side you're on. And he says, my dear brother, you wound me. You know how much I love my family. I think Tyr yep. I think Tyrion just wants to know the truth. I don't think he'd ever bring charges on Cersei and Jamie for what happened. I think J he knows what happens and he just likes being an instigator. He's just like this quest for the truth. Right. He but, knows that, that that there's something going on. You know. But everybody But everybody knows something's going on. I mean, T you you figure it that Tyrion it, it becomes pretty obvious in the scene that Tyrion knows and Jamie knows that Tyrion knows that he's banging his sister. Yeah, it be, it be, it's pretty obvious that it's in the subtext of the scene that that Tyrion knows what the two of them are up to. He's got to. He's not that stupid. It, as he mentions, but, but the thing is, is why would anybody suspect anything but this kid? Then? He's climbing a, a couple hundred foot tower. I hear you, but and it, his mother doesn't want him to. You know, it's the north. Shit's wet. Shit's cold. Like to to quote Master Lewin from later. But the boy was always sure footed before. Even still, mm. you know, people fall. Yeah. So speaking of people, I'd like to throw out a window. Cersei visits Catelyn at a spoiler alert about 24 Live Another Day. Someone I'd like to throw out a window and someone who's been thrown out a window. Um, <laughs> at Bran's bedside and Cat goes to a stand and Cersei uncharacteristically tells her to sit down. It's your home. I'm your guest. Sit. And she looks at Bran, says handsome boy, and then immediately makes it about herself. <laughs> because that's the only thing she can be genuine about is when she's talking about herself. She can't genuinely so show sorrow so she decided to open up about a story about herself that she can show how sad she is about her own thing and make it seem like she's uh feeling what Catelyn's feeling there and trying to sympathize with her or empathize with her but it uh, eh, it just comes off as self-serving to me she tells no, her she was she was she was not being nice no no she, she was being very cold and kind of cruel to Catelyn at that moment she tells her of her her first son, a little boy with black hair who died of a fever. He was a fighter and tried to fight, but he didn't make it. Oh, no, you probably don't want to hear this. Okay. Now, <laughs> it, went, it happened years ago, and, and Robert, when it died, was punching walls, bloody. It was uh, the things men will do to show that they care, which is a little dig at the fact that Ned's leaving. 
that's saying that Robert freaked out when this happened, but when your son's happening, Ned's coming with us. <laughs> it's like a baby. Baby died, or was it a stillborn? It was. Di- I say it was died. It died of a fever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It died like of. Like Katie fever. just said, she probably killed it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not burying this bastard. This mother. Raising. raising this asshole who's out gallivanting around. I'm not raising his kids. She hates Robert Baratheon. Yeah, uh, you know he dragged her up up to the north. Again, then, this like, is hard to talk. But see his ex loved one. This is hard to talk about with knowledge of the future because there's a scene that co- is coming up later in season one. I want to talk about this again of a conversation that Robert and her have together. Um, the, spoiler alert: Robert and uh, Cersei talk later, and they have a conversation. I want to make a note on this point and talk about this again then. Uh, because there's stuff there's stuff I don't want to say that's coming. I mean, up. it's obviously not a great marriage. She's banging her brother in the tower at, at yeah, Winterfell. Absolutely. So I wouldn't doubt what you're saying. Uh, so uh, Catelyn never knew, and she describes uh, that it was just a little boy, a little a little thing. And it was interesting that Cersei keeps going to birds because she uh, she refers to Sansa as little dove, and she calls uh, she calls this kid a little bird without feathers. And uh, <laughs> All I heard out of there was Brit was mumble mumble breaking birds, but I I think we got the she gist. She probably really enjoyed breaking birds next when she was little. <laughs> I love it. Awesome point, Katie. So then they took the body. He's got the whole profile worked up for Cersei. <laughs> you, Sir, Katie, you're gonna have to come in and be a big part of our Cersei uh Cersei bio podcast. So uh so then uh she uh sh- so they say they took around the bo- took away the body as Robert held her. And she screamed, and she screamed, and she uh, never went to visit, never saw it again, and uh, and she hopes that the mother brings the child back to you, and and she's uh, she's grateful. She says she says she's grateful. It's grateful that you dote over him and give him anything. And then we hear eerie music as the scene cuts. And the mother is one of the seven. There's the seven gods. Then we hear Robert and her and uh, Catelyn talk about the gods, her gods and his gods in episode one. And her gods are the seven, and the mother is one of the seven. She's one of the like seven. The mother, the the child, the sailor, the wife, the cook, the lover, and the thief. Yeah, you know, one. like the uh, the guys from the YMCA song. So, right. <laughs> so and so and uh, later in the episode, we see Catelyn put a wreath of wood on Bran's on <sighs> on where Bran's sleeping, which is in reference to the old gods and the and some of some of the wood from the great from the trees. That they, uh, that they, oh, Vaughn2300, uh, welcome to the room. Man, if Kat only knew what was going on, the truth in that situation, she would have stabbed that bitch through the heart. Ren Redwood, she's just up there to see for herself what kind of condition Bran's in. I think she, I agree. She kind of looks like she wants to stab her in the heart anyway without knowing what, what happened. To, to, to jump ahead a little bit, not as much as she wants to stab someone else in the heart that comes and visits later. But so, uh, so, but I, I agree. Cersei's up there more than anything because Cersei understands that the best way to manipulate the situation is to be in the situation. She wants to know what kind of, like you said, Ren, what kind of condition Bran's in. She also just wants to get a layout of the situation. Just look at it and let. Oh yeah. And total let it, recon. Exactly. Total recon and total also for the cover. cover to cover up, to make it seem like, oh, if I had something to hide, I wouldn't just show up there. It's 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 many duplicitous means of the reason why Cersei went in there. None of which are anything to do with anybody's concern but herself and Jamie's. 
So Jamie, meanwhile, visits, and this is a really awesome scene that I forgot about. He visits the Winterfell Armory where he finds Jon Snow. And as far as I can, I know this, this, I hope we get more scenes with these two together because these two are awesome together. And, yep. and, uh, Jamie visits the armory and he finds Jon Snow forging a sword. Jamie sarcastically walks up to him and asks him if he's forging a, hey, are you forging a sword for the wall? And, uh, and Jon says, no, I already have one. And Jamie quickly comes at him. So have you ever swung it? And John says, of course I have. I mean, at someone, which John says no. And Jamie then just puts his hand on his shoulder and like starts intimidating him. He goes, it's a strange thing when you slice a man and you realize that they're just sacks of meat and bone with blood to keep them standing. And then he like pats him on the back. He's like, thanks for, thanks for guarding from us from all the perils beyond the wall. Wildlings, white walkers and whatnot. Grateful for strong men like you. And then he grabs him again and just like shows him how much stronger he is. But I think Jamie's a bigger and he's, he's, he's not really being an asshole. I think he's helping him. I I looked at this conversation like it was a lot like Tyrion's conversation with him. It was open. It was candid. It was, yeah, I'm a lot older and wiser than you, but, yeah. you know, if you really listen to what I'm saying, there's good advice, and it's not necessarily, yeah. he's not necessarily being a big asshole. No, I don't think so, and I, I agree with you 100%. I also think he's speaking from, a, from, uh, from, from his own experiences. He's speaking from knowing that his life was given up joining the Kingsguard. It's not the same thing exactly, but in some ways, the Kingsguard and the Night Watch have a lot in common with each other, with the wa- with the way that their life becomes about something else. And so Jamie knows exactly what the fuck he's talking about in this situation, and he he's wants to make sure that if no one else tells John if he knows what he's getting himself into, he's gonna be the one to fucking tell him. And it's interesting to note too that the entire time through the first two episodes that the Lannisters and the Starks are together, there's a lot of like odd looks between them. There's a very uncomfortable feeling between the Lannisters and the Starks, not Rob Baratheon, but Cersei and Jamie and Ned and Caitlin. They're not great friends. Uh, you know, Tyrion Tywin was originally on the side of the Targaryens and the and the Great War and stuff. So and Jamie was and Jamie, Jamie was Kingsguard of the Mad King that killed Ned's family. And Tywin was the hand of the king at one point. Right. Or, and they switched. And without getting too much into it, because we're going to do a whole podcast on this at some point on Robert's Rebellion. And then Jamie at the last uh, in Ned's mind, Jamie and Tywin both at the last minute when the war turned decided to switch sides. So he they look he looks at them as slimy and opportunistic is right. the best way of describing how Ned looks at the uh, the Lannisters. And Catelyn just doesn't trust them because she's a smart chick. So uh, so he walks off, Jamie walks off, but John is like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk back here, and stumbles. Because again, this gets, we get more into this in the book, how much in a lot of ways John respects Jamie and looks at Jamie as like, holy shit, this guy's fucking amazing. He's, he's, a, he's, he's what a knight. You know, he's the Kingslayer. And he he's, says in specific words, Jamie Lannister is what a knight should look like. I think he's a pimp. Like he's all around pimp. He's like the one of the best fighters. Wins all these tournaments. You know, like he's a he's a superstar, rock star as far as uh, Westeros is concerned. Absolutely, everybody knows who he is. Absolutely, and everyone, and even if they talk shit about him, know how powerful and cunning he is in some ways. Yeah. And he's a, he's a great fighter. Yeah, and John's sword fighter. 
And John stumbled. There's no joke about how he's a sword fighter. Absolutely. There's no joke about that. And he jo- he and John comes back at him. We've been protecting the wall for 8,000 years. And Jamie goes, we already? Already taken your vows? John goes, <laughs> I will soon as soon enough. And he goes, in the give my regards from the Lannisters, give my regards to the Night's Watch. I'm sure it will be thrilling serving with such an elite force. <laughs> and just gives of course joke to the fact that everybody that's pretty much everybody that's at the wall is uh there as punishment for crimes committed rape murder thievery uh slave trading uh being on the wrong side from the war like there's a lot of reasons to get sent to the wall instead of having your head cut off and this always needs men and you get a complete pardon from your crimes you just can never leave the night's watch yep. or you die yep or any family or or uh, or theoretically have any sex or or whatever we'll get into that more when we talk well, more those, about those those vows you know we'll get into that more later we'll get more into that later and uh and then his his final line to john is well if uh you'll be thrilling to serve such an elite force and if not well it's just for life and as vaughn points out it's more of a do you know what you're in for type of thing because the King's Guard is the same, except they get all the respect. It's it's like being the Night's Watch. It's like the same vows essentially, but you get no respect. Zero respect. You're with the you're with the exact opposite uh, crowd. Well, pretty much you're with the same crowd before they get sent to the wall. A lot of the same crowd too. Yeah. The, ones the ones that got caught, right? Yeah, before they get sent to the wall. Right, and and that that's one of those things that's kind of funny that. John Stark Snow is more, you know, I want to go to the wall with Benjen and, and live up there and do that than, like, why don't I go to King's Landing too you, and try to be a Kingsguard or something like that Not to for get, Uncle, Uncle Rob Baratheon. Do you think it's more because of the constant badgery and emotional damage that Catelyn's put on him his whole life that he thinks yeah, this he's way? Been, he's been completely browbeat to think that he's no good. And I think he also thinks that be no different. He would just be Ned's bastard son and would be constantly reminded of that at King's Landing. Yeah. Because I'm sure if Ned pushed it and if it was a different situation, Robert will legitimize him. No matter where he goes, he's always going to be Ned's bastard child. No, I hear you. Big uh, scandal. And even if he ever gets legitimized, he will still be called in you know, behind his back, referred to as the, Ned, bastard. the bastard son of Ned Stark. But I'm kind of surprised that Robert didn't immediately do that after the war, just because, just considering who Robert is and how close Ned was to him, it would make sense that if he just did that, I'm sure he offered. And Ned was like, fuck you. No, I will take this. I will take this sin. So after he's done smithing, uh, John goes to visit a- Arya, which this is a great scene too, and to date, to, to talk a little bit about the George R. R. Martin uh, letter where there's a romantic relationship between John and Arya. You can almost see it here in this scene with the foundation of it a little bit. I don't want to get too weird, but you can almost see it. You can almost well, see it. And, and uh, she's really young too at this point, but you can see that they're very close. Very close. Very close. Like it's supposed to, like in the letter he says it's, it evolves eventually right. over the entire story that they'll fall in love. But knowing but, knowing that now, you can see you can see the spark here. You can, I, or I could see it. maybe that's just it's placebo ish because I knew it, so I thought about it. But I felt it here a little bit. So John well, goes. You can definitely get the feeling that no matter what there is between Caitlin and him, John loves his brothers and sisters. Absolutely, absolutely. All of them. 
yeah, and he seems specifically close to Arya and uh, especially with Arya, correct. So, and at, I think that's because she is doesn't fit that same role. Like she's not a lady, just like he's not a little lordling. He's a bastard, and she's not. Even though she's a little lady, she doesn't identify with that. She wants no. to be for what he's there for. To she wants to be a sword fighter. She wants to be an archer. She wants to be an adventurer. She wants to wear armor and fight. She doesn't want to sew with fucking Sansa and eat lemon cakes and tea and crumpets all the fucking time. She wants to be out there. And Jon Snow is very much the same way. So and them two in particular have a, a very uh, good bond. And, and she add, looks up to him. And to add another layer to that, they're both second fiddle to someone that's, and notice the quote unquote better, a uh, better of them. Rob and right. Sansa are both Sansa to her and, yeah. and Rob to him. Right. So they they're bo both the older, better version of what the parents, what they should have been. They, they just are like, okay, but John is not older than, uh, John is a little bit older than Rob. Right. Believe, so. Right. But it's, but it's still, but it, he's not a bastard. He's the rightful heir. And, and as such, Caitlin has made sure that he gets better or more training, better or more schooling, you know, less work in the barn, less, you know, so Rob has become better at a lot of things than John has. Right. So John, so John goes to visit Arya, who's packing to leave Winterfell. She's helped by her pet wolf, Nymeria. And uh, she's bitching ab about why she needs the, that age-old thing about why you need to pack your stuff neat if you're just going to unpack it again and repack pack it a bunch of times. Fuck that. John says he has something... Uh, and I, I, I bet Sansa's really good at par uh, uh, packing, I wrote in my notes. John says that he has a very special, uh, very special present for for her. But uh, at, but first we get to see uh, her try to do a trick with her with her pup of getting her pup to uh, take her. Was it shoes? Is it shoes or socks? I I forget. But she goes shoes, shoes. Go get the shoes. And the dog just uh, dog. The uh, the the wolf just sits there and kind of looks and gives her the side head look. I, was, I got no doubt that that's worked a hundred times while she's alone. <laughs> it's like you when you used to smoke, flipping the cigarette into your mouth. Like you can only yeah, do it. Oh, I could do it anytime. No one was watching. Exactly. You're like in Mystery Men, the invisible guy that can be invisible <laughs> when no one's watching. So John has a present for her, and he he says, "Close the door." He gives her the sword. And he says, it's not a toy. Don't cut yourself. Uh, he helped forge it. It's small and skinny, just like you, Arya. Won't hack a man up, but it will poke him full of holes. Work at it. How do you like the balance? Does it feel good? And she says, uh, I think it feels good. And uh, she, he says, first lesson, stick him with the pointy end. I know what end. <laughs> and then she goes to hug him and almost stabs him with the pointy end. She goes, yeah, he like grabs his hand. He grabs her hand and puts the sword down, and she's or she puts it down very carefully on the uh, on the bed or the nightstand or whatever the hell it was. Very good point by Ren Renwood about the two of them. They both take more after the Stark side, where the some of the other siblings, the rest, the two older siblings that we're talking of, take a little bit more after the Tully side. I would say when we're talking about Bran and Rickon, it's it's hard to uh, hard to talk too much about them of see what sides they. I'd say Bran's a good split of both. Because he's definitely has his mother's wise assness, and then he has, uh, he definitely has some Stark in him. And Rickon, we obviously don't know enough about. He's just too young. So uh, Arya names the sword Needle, and uh, they say their goodbyes. And as I said, she goes to hug him, and she almost stabs him with the pointy end when they hug and they say goodbye. I hope, I hope this isn't the last time we see these two together either. I hope, I hope we have a lot more scenes with them. So. 
So John goes and visits Bran, and we made reference to this scene before. Catelyn, we thought she was vicious and evil in the first episode, the way she just looked down on him. She is not happy. Like, like she is looking at him like he caused this. Like, that's the look she's giving at him. Like, this fucking is your fault, Jon Snow. How could you oh, do yeah. this to Bran? And he asks if he can talk to him or see him. And she goes, yep, you saw him. That's her response. Yep, I came to see Bran. Yep, you seen him. Get the fuck out of here. And yeah, Oh, she is she is absolutely pissed at, at Jon Snow. She does not like this kid whatsoever. Bork. Not even a shred of anything. You know, and he's and he's uh he's there trying to say some nice stuff and and say bye to Bran because he's going to the wall and doesn't know if I'll ever see him again or if he'll you know if he'll pull through and Catelyn just glares up at him with daggers like shooting from her eyes and I want you gone and that's when you notice Ned Stark is just standing there in the background at the doorway and he hears and sees the whole thing. Do you think Ned's ever had the conversation with her uh, that just be like, could you go a little easy on the kid? Do you think he's ever dared had that conversation with her? I think, I think absolutely they've had that conversation many times. And I think, uh, or at least a couple of times. And it's, and it's one that Ned cannot possibly win at all. Uh, I felt so bad for him in this scene, Joe. She was just so mean. He's like trying to talk to him, brother. I know I always wanted to visit the wall together, but when you can walk, when you can come, I'll take you beyond the wall. I'll be there for you. I love you. He's being so, he's being, we don't see any of the other kids with Bran. So it's safe to say that none of them have been this heartfelt with Bran. He's so open and so raw with them. And it's just, she's so vicious and evil, the look she's giving him. Seriously, like, he's the one that pushed him out of the fucking window. Yep. It's horrible. Like, horrible. The scene made me hate her. It really did. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was, well, it didn't make me hate her because she's in complete grief and pain. And I, without condoning her behavior or actions, kind of understand where she's coming from mm-hmm. i i do but, like, but this, this... It's, he's a constant reminder of her husband's infidelity mm-hmm. i i hate to mention that it's it's hard to look at things from i know bastards aren't necessarily a thing of honor in that world but when men go to war it's not unusual it's not like they're living in 2015 america and he's living with his bastard son it's it's in a world where that is I hate to say it's accepted, but if Ned Stark wasn't the man that everyone says he is, if he wasn't constantly talked about a man of pure honor, I don't think it would be as big of an issue. I think part of it is Catelyn's like, whoa, you're supposed to be the honorable Ned Stark and you fucked up. Uh, uh, uh. I think I think it adds to the fuel to the flame because bastards aren't really an uncommon thing in this world. Well, with uh, s- spoiler, which isn't a big spoiler for those out there, yeah. Originally, Catelyn is supposed to marry Ned's older brother, the heir to Winterfell. And when he dies in the uh, pre-war, uh, she ends up being betrothed to Ned. And so, and she still goes along with it. So that there is also a little bit of a, a contention, kind of. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that, that it, Ned's not even the one that... At, was supposed to marry her in the first place. Absolutely. So there, there's a lot of stuff built up here. And she gets it, it gets in the anger that Ned walks over to her and he says, 17 years ago, you came home with another woman's child. And 
and now you leave me again. He says he has no choice, and she says that's what all men say when honor calls. You have a choice, and you fucking made it. <laughs> he says, Cat, come on. And she goes, no, I can't. I can't do it. I can't fucking do it. And he says- She's absolutely right, too. She's absolutely right. If Robert Baratheon is the friend that he says he is, they'd be able to say no to Robert at this point. He could have. Um, he could have said I no. I personally don't see understand why they all she can't go with them. I oh, never right, Bran. Ugh. Bran. Never mind. There's yeah, there's Bran. Uh, <laughs> but I don't think she was planning on going either in the first place. No, no, I don't think so either. Uh, Ren Renwood adds, yeah, the honorable Ned Stark does nothing. Yeah, he does nothing. He just has to sit there and take it. I I agree with you. I think I think he could say no to Robert. I don't think I think he said no to Robert before. It's part of the reason why they didn't talk for a big chunk of time after his rebellion and before the Greyjoy thing. They had problems with some of the decisions Robert made right after, and we'll get into that more because I don't want to misinform oh, the. Well, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. There's a there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons why Robert's uh, why Ned isn't in King's Landing. Right. That. That even as someone who's read the books and is caught up with the series that I don't even know and nobody really knows for sure Everything, the extent yeah. of the reasons that he did not stay in King's Landing or take the throne for himself, which is talked about at some points that he could have done also. But it's safe to say at least that Ned can and will say no to Robert when he has to. And and he ch she's right here in the sense that she's choosing to go now he is choosing to go this is a decision he is making and yep. and i think it's a decision based around honor based around the honor he feels for robert and something robert says to him you help me get the throne now allow me to keep it it's a lot to do with john aaron and a lot to do with his feelings about john aaron dying and being curious about learning more about that situation especially with uh the the raven that came at the end of last episode from uh from liza That's about what liza with what liza said he is invested now. I think maybe if that Raven didn't come, Catelyn had a chance for him to say no, especially if what happened to Bran still happened to Bran. I think Ned might have might have at that point said, I'm staying here at least for a while, uh, Robert. Might have said no. But because of the contents of that Raven, there's no way he's not protecting Robert. There's no way. He just, he might, once Robert is secure again there, might leave. That might be his plan to do it for a while, not make it a full-time life commitment as Hand of the King. Other people have stepped down. It's not a job you have to have for life. So, right. and uh, Ren Renwood talking about uh, Catelyn. She's just an evil stepmother. Yes, yeah, she is. Yeah. yeah, she is. Yeah, she is. She's a, she's a, she's Cinderella's uh, stepmother for sure, without a doubt. Poor poor John Dorella. <laughs> so after this, we get another Rob and John goodbye, or our Rob and John goodbye, or another Rob and John scene. John asks him if he saw Bran, and he says yes. And uh, Robert's, Rob says he's not going to die. And uh, Ro and John responds, you know, Rob, uh, you Starks are hard to kill. And they both smile at each other, which I think is a reference to stuff we talked about last week in the books where they fight each other a lot. And John barely ever wins because yep. you Starks are hard to kill. And uh, he says, next time I see, or then he asks him, how was my mother? And John fucking straight up lies. Straight up lies, because Rob probably has no concept, no fucking concept of the shit that John goes through on a day-to-day -day basis with Catelyn. Because uh, John's response is, she was very kind. And he's like, I'm glad to hear that. And there was no look on Rob's face like he didn't believe it. Because Rob well, is... No, it's, 
and that goes to show exactly how how much John loves his brothers and sisters. Yeah, and how and how much of a good person and you know an honorable John really is absolutely He's how much of uh, Ned's kid John Stark really is. Yeah, and you could think about it from the end of uh, Godfather with the Corleones or something where uh, Rob has some elements of Ned, but he also has this, like, as, as Ren Renrin was saying, uh, or is, uh, is, is a little bit more Tully and has this, like, like this not, and also has a naivete to him and, and stuff like that. Uh, John, really, because of growing up as a bastard and dealing with a lot of oppression and a lot of shit he had to deal with, prejudices and just an evil stepmother, really grew strong and really grew a good head on his shoulders and, and, and had a clause way up to confidence. So as he develops, let's watch. I have a feeling, as 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 uh, Joe said, he's going to embody the most of who his father truly was, and that stark stark honor. So uh, we'll see where where Rob I see as being a little, just a little naive. Rob seems a little naive to me, and a little uh, a little closeted by Catelyn until you're going to be the Lord of Winterfell. He has a little bit of that lordiness that some of the other characters that we've met are that are more dickish about it people like uh Viserys and and uh and Joffrey who are like evil or pricky about it but still have that same we've been grown bred for leadership and command I've been bred to be the new warden of the north and Rob comes off a little bit like that yeah you know walking around like that so uh but but he says next time I'll see you you'll be in you'll be in black, all in black to him, and then they hug it out, and they get a real hug, and you see the look on both of their face, and they do one of those two-sided hug moments where you see, like, both of them really loving each other. It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. They nuzzle their heads and cheeks together. Yeah, it's, it was a really, really loving moment. I just I'm, broke out into a Cersei Jamie moment. <laughs> I could have. I'm I'm sure there's somebody that's done some fan made video where it turns into porn music right there in slow motion. What? Bareback Winterfell. Oh, you said broke back. I said bareback Winterfell. <laughs> that too. That's the sequel. So as we see this King's crew start to hike out, Ned and John say their goodbyes. And uh, Ned says to him, There's a great honor at the Night's Watch. Stark men have served the Night's Watch well. And, uh, and he goes, you are Stark. You have my blood, not my name, but you are Stark. And Ned leaves for King's Landing. I want to say that again. You have my blood, but not my name, but you are Stark. As Ned leaves for King's Landing, him and John, John leaves for the wall. John says to him, is my mother still alive? Does she Tell know? Tell me something. Does Tell she... me anything. Yeah, does she know where I'm going? Does she, does she know anything? And he doesn't answer that question. But he says, I promise you the next time we see each other, I will tell you about your mother. He doesn't make any reference to anything that just, – I just want to point all this out. He doesn't make any reference to anything that Jon Snow – any question that Jon Snow asked there. He just says to him, next time I see you, I will tell you about your mother. So I don't know. I don't know. There's some hinky shit going on there. That's all I'm saying. Hinky yep. shit. Uh, Vaughn uh, 2300 says John has a thicker skin and he does. He has a much thicker skin than any of the Stark kids. I would John say should have hit the reins and then rode back the next day and said, okay, Hey, hey how you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm back. Hey, I decided to come to King's landing with you instead of be your steward. Uh, hi. So tell me about it. <laughs> so tell me about my mother. And, uh, it would, it would have, that would have been interesting. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, John does have a thicker skin than any of his brothers or sisters. I think Arya probably next. 
and uh, then then Rob, or actually I don't know about Rob, but yeah, then probably Rob. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how the fall, uh, because Bran wakes up at the end of this episode. It, it's going to be interesting to see how the fall affects Bran because he might end up being one of the hard, one of the thicker skinned uh, Starks as well by, but by, by when he really takes in what's happened to him and. So uh, oh God, when, when he tells everybody what happened. Yeah, yeah, because you got to figure that's going to be the first thing he does, right? When he wakes up, he's immediately going to tell everybody what happened. Oh, gosh. So as Ned sails off and walks off, or walks off, uh, rides off, and John Rod rides in his direction, we get the Game of Thrones theme song in the score oh, in the background. Oh, wait, that's not it. <laughs> that's the, uh, the Robert, the Tell Orchestra. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> And then we get a scene with Robert and Ned, which is a really cool scene, which uh, lets you in on even more of their friendship. I love Robert and Ned together. They are, they're just such almost a comic duo without trying to be it because uh, Robert's just so, rah, 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 rah. and you can tell he's always been this way his whole life. He's just this, ah, you know, the type of guy. Yeah, rah. And Ned's so stoic and so such a straight man. And, yep. Robert says he uh, wishes they could just keep going on the King's Road. Ned says, me too. He says, yeah, just keep going. You and me all alone. And uh, Ned says, you should have got to me 20 years ago. And and uh, and they talk a little bit about John's mom. And he talks about, uh, what, what's your bastard son's uh, mother's name? Was her name Bessie? You know, Bessie with the big tits. <laughs> God bless Bessie and her tits. And Robert just keeps talking. But he keeps talking about former girls of himself. He's like, yeah, and uh, and uh, that other girl, but no, she was mine too, Becca. Oh, that was mine, Becca with the ass and Bessie with the tits. And Ned says her name was Wyla, I believe. I believe it was. And but he'll never speak of her. And uh, and Ned and Robert says you've never spoken of her. And Ned goes, and I never will. Yep. You never told me what what she was like. You never told me what she was like. Exactly. The bat, the woman that got the honorable Ned Stark to break his vows. Who I, must have been some kind of whore, he said, or must must have been some kind of wench. But you never told me about her. Well, what? And Ned says, as as we just said, Ned Ned's response was, and I never will. And that's yeah, interesting to mention. Are, you know, you may be my best friend, but I'm not. I I'm not telling you. Just you'll never know. Uh, Vaughn adds, even though uh, he has learned a couple of things the hard way later on, John has more of a sense to earn everything he has a hundred fucking percent excellent point vaughn and he says he looks uh and then the scene when him and ned are talking he looks on the look on ned's face when john asked the question says it all and then this carries on to this scene too the look on ned's face when uh robert's probing and that might be what you were talking about i'm not sure with the delay uh the look on ned's face when robert's probing is even more scared like he just doesn't want to deal with this he 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 can't believe Robert still remembers this. With all the shit Robert's forgotten, you're still talking about this? Shut the fuck up, Robert. Shut the fuck up. So, shh, yeah. shh, 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 He just wants to forget it. Like, he's got a, he's got his kid. Yeah. And, uh, and he doesn't, he's not with that woman. You know, he <laughs> took the kid from that woman. And Robert's response is, is, uh, if, if, uh, you know what's awful is uh, is uh, you don't want me to be talking about this. It makes you very uncomfortable, huh? It, I, I have a feeling if uh, I wasn't your king, you'd get up and beat the shit out of me already. And, and Ned's yep. like, the he says hit, but and Ned goes, that's the worst part of you becoming king. I can never beat the shit out of you anymore, ever again. 
Well, uh, I, I think uh, I don't think Robert Baratheon, even though if anybody else struck him or fought with him or rolled around on the floor and exchanged blows with him, anyone else would lose his head. Ned would not. The problem isn't Robert. The problem is everybody else. Right, because you you can't. Well, he wouldn't lose his head. He'd be locked up forever. Right. He'd be locked up forever. Unless At least he, for a long period of time. But you got to figure that Ned would be smart enough if he was going to hit Robert to do it in private when it was just the two of them alone. Oh, you know, and you know, of course it would be just the two of them alone. That would ne- It would never happen in public, but – or. At the at the very least, he would send him to the wall. And anybody else would lose their head, no matter what. Ned could go to the wall. And to be fair about this as well, it's mentioned a bunch of times, and even more so again in the books and this type of stuff. Ned is not the warrior in his family. His older brother was the best fighter in the family. Ned's a pretty good fighter, but Robert at his prime was probably top two or three in the entire realm. No, I I think that Ned, although Ned was not the warrior of his Ned's family, Ned's not a great swordsman. Was, he was the, the he was also he was very much so Robert's rival. Only Robert at when they were younger was a hulking man. Yeah, he Robert's like, a badass. Robert was one of the best fighters in the entire realm. Even people right. like uh Barristan at one point when he talks about His Robert. Strength was, was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like he was very much like if there was anybody that could have been considered a rival to what the mountain is, it would have been Robert Baratheon. Right, exactly. It and we'll p- learn about the mountain later. But. With the same thing that he had the speed as well, that he wasn't just strong. He had incredible speed and strength right. to combine. Not, I'm just no saying that this, Robert Baratheon and his hammer. This no is one. probably the first time that the two of them have been around where Ned knows for a fact he could beat the shit out of Robert. That's I guess that's what I'm trying to say is this is the first time that they've been interacting that I think Ned's super confident that he would get the better of Robert right now there's no way robert would stand a chance fighting ned right now correct at this moment right now and uh thank you ren renwood for the name uh wyla was the name he said so finally robert gets down to business he has a other agenda here he wants to talk about a message he received about daenerys targaryen's marital status that she uh checked her facebook status from uh being single to being in a relationship and or being married being no, i was gonna say being married and it's complicated so so uh, so Ned's like, what? Should we send her a present for her and her horse lord? Uh, and Robert's like a knife, a sharp one. And this ignites Robert. He just goes on this rant about the Targaryens and about how she's going to get married and start spitting out Targaryen children and there's going to be a problem. And you know what? I agree with him. I agree with him. I agree with Robert 100% in this scene that – that I don't, I don't condone killing children, but the fact of like if Daenerys starts spitting out fucking Targaryen children, that's gonna be a problem for for Robert's heirs. That's gonna definitely be a problem. Um, no matter what, kingdoms come and go, and I, I don't, I don't see it really as that big of a problem. It's not, it's not an immediate threat, and in fact. Mm. What his problem was is over the last 18 years, he should have been replacing uh, families as lords yeah. quietly, one by one, one a year, take out a family, take out another family, take out another – until you have complete loyalty of everybody from head to toe in the kingdom. And then, for, and therefore, 
there's nobody left that's loyal to the Targaryens. Everybody loves the Baratheon. Baratheons made everybody money, made everybody lords of these places. But Joe, but Joe, people still call me a serper. And if that woman and her horse lord cross the ocean, they'll join up the banners with them, and then we fucking got a problem, Ned. And that's, and that's the point. Over the last 18 years, he should have been replacing those yeah, banners. Yeah, no, I agree. He should have been replacing them with people who don't call him usurper behind his back or in front. And then he he continues that there these Targaryens killed your family. They killed my would be wife, and I'm gonna kill every Targaryen. He repeats, and Ned taunts his ass with, "I guess this is one Targaryen you can't get at." And Ned, and so his, and and this is my point. Like how, like really, it was that secret for 18 years. This fucking Viserys running around entitled as he is. Has been able to. They've been able to keep it quiet that they haven't been no. sitting toast across the narrow sea. That, that's Joe. Time. You're absolutely right because that's my biggest problem with Robert here. Why is he only worrying about this now? If he really wanted to kill kids and didn't give a shit, why didn't he send someone over with a blade? Why didn't he send Barristan over there with a fucking crew of knights? Guard? And I think it was John Aaron kept telling him not. It was John Aaron's voice of reason saying. Don't, it doesn't matter. don't kill them, and and maybe yeah. for whatever it's worth, if he was going to freak yeah, out about this, yeah, again? I was going to say if he's going to freak out about this, he should have been strong. But you're right, he Robert, as strong as he was, could also be manipulated. Right, he's not the smartest. He's a he's the brute warrior. Correct. Exactly. Where so it's talked about later. Ned, it could have been Ned that took the throne instead of Robert Baratheon. Now, Ned, who really doesn't believe in killing children, this is what it's really about. Ned reminds them that they're, that they're just children and that there's an ocean and that we talked about this earlier. Not a hundred thousand Dothraki, not a million could be a threat to the realm. They do not have a fleet, Robert. I love how he says that, too. Yeah, they won't be able to get them across the narrow sea. There's no way. And then, the, and then they also believe that where horses won't go. Uh, Dothraki, Dothraki won't go, and horses don't go near salt water. Absolutely. If, if, or it's if they don't drink it, if they don't drink the water, uh, Dothraki won't touch the water. Yeah. So what are you gonna have a boat like that? Some weird. Yeah, and that's it too. Yeah, this isn't. This isn't. They're not gonna build Noah's Ark for uh, the Dothraki horde, where they they put two by two, get all the hundred thousand horses on the boat. And Ned, Ned keeps going, and he's and he says, "I don't care if there's a million. This hypothetical Dothraki horde is nothing. And if there was a million of them, we'd knock their ass back into the ocean because they wouldn't know. They wouldn't have their sea legs. They suddenly would be looking for horses. So we'd come out with the horses and slice these bitches down." And heavily armored, they are unarmored. Yeah. It's uh, they'd be attacking walled walled cities in a lot of places, like. And uh, it, but it, I guess it's a similar concern that you would have. Uh, ugh, God, I don't want to spoil something later. It's a similar concern you might have if what the Night's Watch is probably protecting from wildlings and stuff, smaller hordes of wildlings crossing over and causing minor skirmishes and minor problems. It wouldn't be that big of a that big of a problem when it really came down to it. I, I think not for King's Landing to withstand. So, uh, so, but, but Robert does say a war is coming, Ned. I don't know who with, but it's coming. Everyone. <laughs> That's yeah. like saying the night's coming, guys. Come on, you know, Robert, come on, war is coming. So speaking of the... Do yeah, but somewhere that sun is going down. <laughs> speaking of uh, Dothraki, we go back to the grasslands where... where uh, Drogo is bending Daenerys over horsey style every night. 
And she doesn't look like she's having fun until she catches a glimpse of a candle while he's doing his thing. And she sees like a vision or starts looking in the candle and uh, she gets a smile on her face. Oh, she completely dissociates. She she is no longer going to be is she both purposely and because she snapped. She's no longer going to be that little girl. She's going to do everything she can to empower herself. You know, she's completely out of the situation now. You uh, know. Ren Renwood adds, Robert has sent out assassins, but they were not very good ones. <laughs> that's that's very true. <laughs> very true. So we continue and we cut back over to the wall to John at the wall or John, John and Tyrion discussing the falling standards of what the Night's Watch has become as their hike to, to the wall. Now, uh, this is, Joe talked about this earlier, so I'm going to yada yada this a bit. Most of the people that are in the watch at this point are thieves, rapists, and scum. And Tyrion goes into it about most of them uh, get a choice of castration or joining the wall. Most of them take the knife. Great thing about the watch, though, and he calls them out straight in this, you ditch your family and you get a new one. And John and uh, Tyrion, and Ty- he also, Tyrion, uh, he responds to Tyrion, why do you read so much, dwarf? And he says, look at me and what you see. Look at me. And he goes, I'm a dwarf. I was a born of another family. I would have been killed. But I'm a Lannister of Casterly Rock. Life is full of these ironies. And my brother has his sword. I have my books. And uh, a mind needs books like a sword needs a sheet. A, a whetstone. A whetstone. So that's, that is basically uh, why I read Jon Snow. I love the exchange. I love every exchange with Tyrion Lannister. And great. Absolutely, especially him and jo- him and John. And then John gets into uh, uh, into and he says, "Yes, you're a, you're a Lannister." And he, uh, Tyrion mentions that his father was hand of the king, and John says, "Yes, and your brother was a Night's Guard that killed that king." And uh, and he goes, "Yep." And my sister married the new king, and my repulsive nephew will be the new king. So uh, I do my best. Yeah, and, and yeah, you can really see Tyrion. Tyrion is of no illusions as to who his family is. Absolutely. And what kind of people they are. And then Tyrion... And you really get the feeling that he's not one of them. And Tyrion's kind of making fun of him here, saying, listen, Jon Snow, I know you have nothing. You're a bastard with nothing to lose or gain, but you're going to go fight the wall from what things? And Jon's like, there's many things to protect. And he goes, like, what, goblins and grunts and snooks and monsters? You're a smart boy. You don't believe in that nonsense. And John looks at him like you don't know, because I get a feeling that the man that they all saw that Ned killed in the first episode put a little bit of a chill in all the Starks. All the Starks feel like winter's coming a little bit, and they. Well, know- here's, here's the thing too: the if you're not from the North, the stories you've heard about the things from the North are just stories. If you're from the North, there's like. They're not just stories, but they're tied to families, a lot of these stories. Right. And and you've seen the fucking wall. And after having seen the wall, you know that there's pr- probably uh, something to protect some something from. Validity yeah. to something going on, being talked about. Yeah, it can't, right. Yeah. Like, this is not a natural occurring object. This is a, yeah, big, like Katie's big wall for big danger. Yep. And uh, Tyrion. Tyrion calls him how a, you're a bastard with nothing to inherit and you're trying to earn honor by forging your own path. 
I I get it. And he's just he's like he's mocking him a lot with the whole situation, and he just doesn't buy it. And to Tyrion, this is all just uh all just a fucking joke. And he's again in the same way Jamie was, is trying to make sure John knows what he's getting himself into. And uh, and I just I love the two of them together with the bastard and the dwarf interacting. Uh, Red. Ren Renward adds, Robert is such a pussy now. Before he would have been a he would have relished the fight. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And Vaughn says, <laughs> Drogo walks in there and in the Mortal Kombat voice, he goes, Get over here! And just starts <laughs> with his with his four foot long penis. Yeah, and, then, and then just starts raping her. With his braid, yeah. <laughs> and so so John and Tyrion continue on their journey to to the to the wall. In uh, Winterfell, we see Cat- Catelyn continuing her vigil over uh, Bran, and uh, she get- starts getting called out on all the duties she's like just skipping out on. She doesn't give a shit about the bills from the king's stay. She doesn't care. They'll wait. They gotta wait. But Rob really steps up here, and he says he'll do it all. Talk to you in the AM. I'll take oh, over. Th- and everything. this is this is exactly why Meister did that. He did it not to. Um... Not to make Catelyn snap out of it. He did it to get Rob to step up. The smile that comes across his face is just like, yep, plan worked. Plan worked. Yeah, well, it totally you know, was. Caitlin, a- Caitlin will, will be no good for a while, but at least we can get Rob to step up and start taking on some of the Lord duties because he's now the new Lord of Winterfell. Absolutely. With Ed gone down to, or is the acting Lord of Winterfell. I so. no, dude. I agree with you 100. percent I think it was it was such a smart play by that guy. He he played he he knew his young lord very well and knew how to manipulate him. Yeah, I'm gonna go pressure the mother, and he'll step up to protect his mother and come do lordly shit that he's got to do. So Rob gets in Catelyn's face and says the this, whole time that you hear these wolves howling outside, like like Bran's lying in 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 bed, and at the beginning of the scene, the wolves are howling outside. And in the middle of the scene of talking through Rob's Robin Castellan's exchange, the hot, the wolves are still howling. And he's giving her shit. He's like, get off your ass. He's not going to die. Get out. Rick is six. He keeps following me around. I can't. You're going to be there for your living son just as much as for the, or for your not living, not, not living son, but your conscious children <laughs> as much as your unconscious. Children. And then Rob spots out of the corner of his eye, a fire somewhere else in the no, cat. She tells him to go. Go shut those dogs up. No, and, shut then, those and then he looks. Dogs up. And then he looks and sees a fire in the castle. And he yeah. says, "I have a fire somewhere." And he rushes away, leaving the door, the window wide open, so to make sure she keeps hearing the howls. <laughs> so and the, and the door open too. Yep. So while he's gone, a creepy, very creepy she man. Runs over to look out the window to see the fire. And this like creepy, creepy man comes in the room with a huge blade, and he goes, "You're not supposed yeah. to be here." No one's supposed to be here. It's supposed to be a mercy. Yeah, he basically just literally says, I'm here to kill Bran. <laughs> and uh, they get into a little fight, and uh, Catelyn gets her hand cut. She start, she's holding her own, too, against this guy. She, she is. like, claws his face open, and he gets behind her. Puts the dagger. This, oh, he pulls out this dagger, too, which is a really nice-looking dagger for Huge. Her. You know, and it's huge. It's fancy. It's got gold in it and friggin' gems encrusted on it and shit. Like, it's a pretty fancy dagger for a shit bum looking assassin that he looks like. Yep. He doesn't even, he's like, not even like pimped up in assassin wear or whatever like that would look like in Westeros. But like, he just looks like a, a, like a homeless guy, you know, 
with this like really nice looking dagger. And she tries her best, but eventually just gets knocked down to the ground. She's about to uh, be able to basically do nothing. And who comes out of nowhere? Summer. Well, he's got the he's got the dagger to her throat, and it's like digging through her hands. Her hands are completely your hands are cut. Up. Yep, She's sliced up. Bleeding incredibly from her hands. Ugh. And Summer Brand's direwolf comes out of nowhere and jumps up and slashes and bites his throat and cuts his throat right open. And then Sn- Summer jumps right up on the bed with Bran and snuggles up. And Catelyn snuggles into his face to face. Yeah. And then like does like a little circle thing and lays down next to him and looks at Catelyn. And Catelyn just smiles like, thank God for these pups. Oh, and, and here's the thing too. This pup is significantly bigger than the last time we saw these pups. Like it's the, at least it's laying down along Bran's side and it's pretty much the length of Bran at this point. <laughs> and uh, then it pans over to the bed, to the body on the floor. And it just shows this completely torn out neck of this uh assassin guy laying on the ground with this pool of blood like slowly bubbling out of his neck really good really good uh makeup and work yeah and then the innocent puppy face with the blood all around his mouth mm-hmm. looks at cat and goes, Such a i started cute. crying i actually teared up i was like oh my fucking god that puppy's so awesome I love oh <laughs> such a such a cute puppy oh so back on the Dothraki Sea for a little bit. I'm going to yada yada this section a little bit because it's just whatever. So, so Watching through it the first time, the second time, the third time, and the fourth time, I have to say each and every time, even reading the books, and I know this isn't maybe the opinion of everybody, but I know some people out there share my opinion. The Daenerys shit is very fucking boring. Yeah, that's why I'm, I'm going to just, I'm so going to yada over this. So Daenerys... It turns out, well, it turns out when you keep watching, because I hope you all will, do not let that deter you because I say the Daenerys shit is boring. It does not stay boring. It gets quite interesting and fun. So No, it, it you, maybe. It has peaks and valleys, correct. May, maybe. I, was gonna, I, I don't want to get too into that, okay, because I, I disagree with that statement. I don't ever find Daenerys' stuff too interesting, especially, she, okay. especially not in the books. On the show, I think it's good. Some of it's good, but uh, in the books, I'm constantly rolling my eyes at Daenerys' sections. But that that's just that's just me. That's just me. So back and of the- then, you know what? And you know what? That's probably because George R. R. Martin does such a great job writing the 13, 14 year old girl that she's supposed to be. Yeah. You know, and that's what you've got to remember too through a lot of these scenes. They made these characters older than they are in the books because it's not gonna come across uh no, it the- doesn't come across good now the way Drogo no, his, is treating his wife, his, but it's going to come across even worse when he's doing it to a 13-year-old. George R. R. Martin's reasoning or his response to that is is the opposite, is that he said, I made them too young in the books. Well, I don't think he made them too young in the books. I think he did what he was what he was thinking. No, he, he feels doing. like he feels like he did. I'm saying he well, feels like it's he a did. different time and people not a lot of people live that long. And with all the wars. No, it's because happened. he planned to do a time jump. Oh, okay. He had planned to do it. He had planned to have a couple of books happen and then have a big time jump and then have the books take place. The second half of the story take place. And he changed that plan. I like it better. I liked it better with them, with them all young, even though that sounds kind of creepy and and disgusting. If it kind of, in my mind fit what, you know, if people average life was 30 or 40, 
That's kind of <laughs> for a rush. section. For a section, I want to yada yada, and we're spending way too much time talking about Danny before we talk about Danny. So let's let's get into this. And yes, Ren uh, Lewin, Maester Lewin. So on the Dathraki Sea, Daenerys is cut and scraped from getting raped by Drogo too much. They trade stories about where dragons came from. They're extinct. Brave men killed them. It is known. And one man said the dragon's full of the moon when he's in bed, because when he comes, he talks about dragons or the moon. So Daenerys tells the other two girls to get the fuck out. Because right, they laugh at her. They're like, hee hee, it's known. You don't know this. You're kind of... And, and she says, I don't give a fuck about that stuff. How do you get men to tell you shit in bed? And she says, uh, well, you get on top and you pleasure the guy. And, and if you have a lot of practice, I was a... I was a not just to tell you shit. How do you make them happy? How do you, I don't know. Right, but, what, she, but, she, but basically, I'm trying to sum this up quickly. She basically tells her to get on top and pleasure the guy we don't have to get too much into the details of daenerys's sex life here so so she not gonna stop getting raped and make this more like what it's supposed, supposed to, be, to like. be like exactly let's let's sum this up here because i don't care about the details she the the hooker says she was nine when she first joined the hooker house but didn't touch people for three years thank goodness she was only uh 12 when she started when she started uh hooking up with people well and cersei makes that clear too back at winterfell are you bleeding it yeah yeah. So, are you ready? Be because I'm going to skip over the scene when we get to it next. The next scene that the two of them have, we see uh, this the hooker on top of Daenerys teaching her how to ride somebody. Woohoo! And which is fantastic and it should be watched in slow motion and replay many times for all those watching it. Uh, <laughs> Even if you're gonna get that look and sound from your girlfriend, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Rachel. I agree with you a hundred percent. I don't know why I'm apologizing for agreeing with you. I just find Danny annoying for some reason. So none of her scenes really interest me. Rachel, you and me should, you and me have very common ground on the, that point. I, I really felt that way most, most of it. I there were some things they started to that. I really like in the future, but it, Me too. it's very Me too. few and far between the stuff that I like with Danny. And I'm just really interested in where they're finally going to get to with Danny. And that's I, what keeps kept me interested. In I, hear I hear you. I hear you for something better. I hear you. I just hope we don't ultimately get wasted potential with her when it's all said and done. Right. There's been such a buildup with her through the books and the series over time that, that it, for anybody who's invested in that character, or has suffered that character, there has got to be some sort of great fucking payoff. Yeah. Because if it ends, never mind. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We we move <laughs> we move on. See, that's why I'm cutting things and moving around because because we're gonna end up slipping stuff that uh, we don't want to slip. So we go to John and Benjamin and Tyrion seeing the wall for the first time, and John is in awe as Benjamin says, "Here's the wall," and Tyrion just looks up and goes, "I can't wait to piss off of it." I mean, you, that's just the look in his face. It's like, eh, well, that is gonna be a hell of a piss. <laughs> no, I, I also think that... Uh, no, he's amazed by it. You, you can't... What's going through Tyrion, he's read so much about this wall. He's the only one in that family that's even got an interest. He's been wanting to see the wall his whole life. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of half kidding. Oh, it's the sun's shining through on me. As... You know, for all intents and purposes, this is one of the smallest people in the kingdom looking up at the biggest man-made structure in the world. Absolutely. It, no, it's probably pretty intense. So we go back to Winterfell, and uh, Catelyn's having her hands bandaged. And she's visiting the tower where Bran fell. And she's looking around and she finds a single blonde hair. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, she's she, – and I 
Is this? Do you think this is a little strange too that she's up there snooping around? Like it couldn't have just been him slipping and falling. Like I've been telling him, I don't want him climbing for for years for in the first place. In fairness, Joe, the the assassin coming in and be and trying to kill him for a second time. Right, right, no, but even the assassin is like it's supposed to be a mercy. I know, but it comes off as a little weird that it it almost if that happened too, I'd I'd look at it again. I, if I was in that situation, I'd It is suspicious. And then that dagger on top of it. Pretty dagger. <laughs> to kill a little boy, to put a little little boy out of his misery. Right, no. That that survived a fall that might even come out of it just fine. Absolutely. I guess we're uh, going in. We're going in and out a little bit again, so I'm uh, adjusting signal. Hopefully that hopefully that will help, Ren. Let me know. Uh, and Vaughn says, yet the reverse dragon position she's teaching her about. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I think I think part of it is uh, doing this during the day rather than night. There's more people in my neighborhood using internet, so some of my ba- some of my bandwidth is getting sucked right now. So I apologize if some of the signal is uh, is is going in and out at times, guys. Uh, so there will be an audio version of this that's being recorded as a hard line that will be available, uh, via the iTunes feed. So if you guys, if any of this is unlistenable during the YouTube video and you want to w- listen to uh, a cleaner, clearer audio version of it, you can always check out the iTunes in the Stitcher's audio feed. So yeah, please great to listen to in your car on the way to work. Or... Absolutely. You, we, we, you can take us with you. So uh, she calls a council in the Godswood at Winterfell herself. Uh, uh, Roderick, uh, Master Lewin and Theon and Rob. And she talks about her her uh, theory about she she doesn't think he fell. She thinks and uh, Lewin says, yeah, he was always sure footed. Someone tried to kill him twice. She feels she just put two and two together here, and she thinks Bran saw something he wasn't meant to see, and uh, and that someone pushed him, and she'll bet her life that the Lannisters had something to do with it. Right, and of course, it's also uh, because of that letter she gets from her sister. The le- I forgot about the letter she got from her sister as well. And, uh, so she's, she's very suspicious of the Lannisters. They talk about the blade being a Valyrian steel da- dagger. And uh, and immediately, just like killing dogs, Theon's ready to go. Theon is like, ah, oh, blah 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 blah. I'm ready to kill now. Rob, I'm with you. Uh, let's let's go kill people. Ah. And to make it clear, uh, the Valyrian steel part is Valyrian steel is very rare. It's steel that was made in old Valeria, forged in an old Valeria. These weapons are very very old, thousands of years old, old money weaponry. Not every lord has one. Like the fact that someone would give away a uh, a, a dagger, a Valerian dagger, a dagger a, 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 for whatever purpose, like, or that this guy would have such an expensive dagger is kind of strange. Yep, it's very hinky. And Robin, uh, Robin, Theon are ready to fight, and Master Lewin says, "Wait, is there going to be a battle in the woods?" Calm down, guys. Come on. Ned needs to find out about this. So someone needs to go tell Ned, and he needs to be the one that makes the decision of what happens next. Now, Cap- Captain- can, I just, can I just stop stop right here for a second mm-hmm. as a sidebar to episode two of the Telltale Games? Mm-hmm. It's fun how that ends in a similar kind of conversation in the woods. Hmm. That, very or, interesting. Or is that, or is that the previews for next time? A similar conversation. I think it's a pre- I th- If I remember correctly, I think it's a. I think it's previews from next week. 
check out that game. Everybody is fucking awesome. Absolutely. It's really fun. Extra chapters to the story that you love. Yeah. Especially only if you're caught up because there are some spoilers uh, right in the first episode about future events. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge spoilers in that game if you're not caught up with the series of the books. Absolutely. So uh, Catelyn decides instead of Rob, uh, instead of Rob going, because there always must be a Stark in Winterfell, even though Rickon and uh, and and Bran are still there, even though Bran's in a coma. But they're both still there. So if Rob went, there still would be a Stark in Winterfell. But whatever. Uh, there always must be a Stark in Winterfell. So she goes to ride to King's Landing with uh, with Sir Roderick Castle who decides to come with her because they don't want to send a whole big party because they don't want this to be on the radar of uh, anybody, her showing up. She wants this to be a kind of a private conversation. So she leaves uh, Winterfell in Rob's hands and Bran's life in the hands of the gods. She says she- Roderick, he's like the master at arms of Winterfell. Yeah. He's like the, uh, the, the warrior that trains kids how to fight and all that. Like he's Rob's, uh, Ned's right hand man. Absolutely. Now, she says she spent a month on her duties as mother, and that's enough time. And then she hangs a wreath of wood, a wreath of wood for the old gods on his bed, and she says goodbye to Bran. So we briefly cut back over to Danny uh, with her sex training. We already talked about this scene. And, uh, and, uh, and it eventually goes to, uh, goes to, the, goes to Daenerys as, at the table. She re- in the inner hut waiting for Drogo to come in. Now Drogo comes in after the day of killing and raping and maiming, and he wants to rape his home, his home slice. And he comes in and does the get over here and grabs her to bend her over. But she says, no, no, no. And kind of redirect. Having it at first. He's like, he's like trying to still do like the rapey thing. Yeah. Cause he thinks she's trying to refute any action. But then once he realizes that she just, she goes, no, tonight I will look. She speaks in his language. Tonight I will look at your face. Does yeah. she speak in Dothraki there? I'm trying. Yes, yeah, she does. She says, "Tonight I'll look at your face." And that's and that's when he kind of is like, "Oh, okay, what's that?" What's, yeah, because he now now she's not just a, a pretty little girl. She's also oh you know smart enough to learn their language. She hasn't learned any bit of her language except for no. <laughs> yeah, except I think that's pretty much no in every language. No. Though. And spoiler alert, he eventually learns the word lands. Lands. Yeah. Lands. <laughs> That's my, one of my favorite Drogo lines in the whole series. L- you mean l- lands. Crown. Yeah, crown. You crown. <laughs> yeah, he learns crown too. <laughs> so. No, but, and, and so then, uh, yeah, he, get, he's, he becomes into it. He's all of a sudden now he's intrigued at what she's trying to tell yeah them. i wrote i my notes i wrote mikey likes it and it's because at first he's like what he's like wait oh oh mikey likes it and and they truly like really truly this starts their love of love affair this is the moment that starts what turns into what so it's not a big spoiler what turns into a, a this is the starting point of their marriage yeah this is of of an actual marriage. Of an actual marriage. And an actual of her, of, of her enjoying it. Because you can see in the moment, not only is she showing him pleasure, they're connecting. He holds her close. He gets the face close to her. Because he does. at first he lets her do her thing, just her. But eventually when he realizes what's happening and he feels a closeness, he gets up and he grabs her and he brings her face as close as probably anyone's face has ever been to Kyle Drogo but without him killing, killing them. And he gets really close to her. 
and she feels the love. I think they that's where their love is born in that moment. You're absolutely right, Ren. That's why anybody's interested. Yeah, a- absolutely. Her dragons. Her dragons, yeah. And I, oh, whoops. Spoiler. Whoops. But I'm sorry. It's it's a spoiler, but but when it really comes down to it, it's a spoiler. Her dragon eggs. Her dragon eggs. She got the dragon eggs already. Come on. She got Yeah, there's I mean, there's a reason they can keep showing them. They've shown them in the in the corner. I don't feel like we're them. yeah, I, I'm sorry. Like drag let's let, let's just take I Joe, I really hope those dragon eggs hatch one day. Oh yeah, wouldn't that be something? That well, dragons be some- have been extinct from the world for so long, and those are more stone than eggs. So eggs, there's no, right? yeah, there's no. They're like gobstoppers. They're like more like giant dinosaur egg gro- gobstoppers. There's no way right. nothing's ever gonna happen with that. Nothing. Nothing. So so yeah, they touch each other and they. But those eggs are very interesting. Yes, exactly. So she holds her close, and they like it. So we. We get back to the king's procession, and they stopped at the inn at the crossroads. And uh, Sansa takes the opportunity to wander with her direwolf lady, who, before before we get into anything else that happens to Lady in this episode, I want to be clear about something. No dogs were harmed in this episode's filming. And also, Sophia Turner loved her direwolf so much that after this episode was over, she adopted it, and she actually has this direwolf at her house as her own personal pet. So it's just worth mentioning about considering everything that happens here that it does have a happy bow at the end that the real pup uh, is, uh, is, so, is Sansa's real dog, so she kept, she kept it. I just think that's, I think that's really cool. Uh, when I heard her talking about it, she says it's not a very interesting dog. It just lays around all the time. It's not very direwolf-like. <laughs> Sounds like a dog. Yep. Not and and we, yeah, not ripping anyone's throats out. And we also did mention this before, but I want to say it again. She was just recently cast in X Men Apocalypse as the young Jean Grey, so the new Jean Grey. So very big casting for her. So I'm, I'm, am I the only person that doesn't find Jean Grey interesting at all? Uh, we, we when we, when that movie comes out, we will absolutely do a review on that. She's not one of my favorite X Men either, like, Joe. As it, an X Men, she's kind of boring and flat. As a Phoenix, it's like really. Let's let's not stray too far, but I, I without this without going too far down that road, I'm not a complete opposition with you on that. I do find Phoenix in, infinitely more interesting than Jean Grey. But Jean Grey, yes, thank you. But whatever. But still, but still, but still, I feel like she's overhyped in the in the universe. I'm more of a fan of Storm and of comic book Rogue than. Uh, than Jean Grey, partially because I grew up with the cartoon. But I, again, I don't want to get too much into the X-Men uh, pit. So uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, King's proce- the King's Procession's there, and Sansa's wandering off with her uh, dire wolf. Now, uh, she runs into uh, Illin Payne first, which really freaks her out. And then the Hound comes out and, tell, and talks about uh, who has no lines because the King cut out his tongue. Then she's trapped between him and the Hound, and it's hard to see who frightens her more. And then guess what? Prince Joffrey comes to the rescue. It's like, it's like, oh my God, you're just triple fucked. But Joffrey seems like an okay guy, like I said. He doesn't seem like... Pain doesn't say much, does he? Does he, yeah. Uh, does the Hound scare you? Go Be off with you, dog. Which, again, he probably shouldn't have let the prince 
send him off like that. If he was truly well, his he's, now, he's got a peacock for his girl. Yeah, it's true. But I'm saying like, how can't be there? What's he gonna? What's he gonna try to get a piece while the hound's staring over his shoulder? But it's a walk. I like. I guess if I was truly somebody's bodyguard, if I was doing that job, even if they told me that in that situation, I go, I don't answer to you. I answer to the king, and I'm following your ass around. Shut up. And just no. I, I'm sure. I'm sure the hound was in a bush. Yeah, uh, which makes sense to what happens later in the episode when he runs the butcher's boy down because he probably saw most of the situation. It was drinking while he was watching Joffrey get his ass kicked by Arya. <laughs> and he can't let the butcher boy tell tell that story. Yeah, he can't let anyone tell that story. So he, uh, well, let's get to it. He, uh, he takes her on a walk down the river and he feeds her wine and tells her she can drink as much as, he gives her the Bill Cosby treatment, just keeps the hand in her wine. Because I'm, I'm only that Sorry, one glass. He says, my girls, my queen princess is allowed to drink whatever the fuck she wants. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know what? He's feeding her wine, trying to get her drunk and take advantage of her, doing that, doing that horrible oh, dude, thing. He comes across like a complete. Yeah, I was just gonna say he's coming back. He comes off as a total dick in this situation. Everything I've said about him before, like this, he's kind of jerky, huh? He's a, he kind of a fucking jerk. Exactly like the Karate Kid bad guy. Ah, uh, J- yeah, J- Johnny Johnny Lawrence. He comes like exactly like he could have played that role perfectly. Billy Zapka, you think Billy Zapka could have played Joffrey? Zapka, Joffrey, yeah. if he was younger, you know, if this was a different generation, would he have played Joffrey in the '80s? If Game of Thrones came out in the '80s, so he's kind I of a. Intri- Joffrey gets his ass kicked like Billy Zapka did. I sure hope, and he does, but because we see Arya and her friend uh, fighting or fighting with practice swords and Sansa goes, that's Arya. What are you doing? And she's and Sansa totally a little drunk starts being a, a douchebag to her sister. Oh, what are you doing? And so Joffrey seeing this kind of takes the opportunity to bully, bully the butcher's boy with a real sword. He, he, t- he goes, pick up your sword, fight me. And he goes, well, I have a practice sword. You have a real sword. And uh, Arya's like, he's, he's not just a little, he's not, He's not a nobody. He's Micah, and he's my friend. He's not just the son of the butchers. So he has a stick against Joffrey's real sword. So, uh, and he basically does the right thing. This kid, Micah, definitely does everything right in this situation, or at least I think if Joffrey was a reasonable human being. And he's just like, I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. You know, I'm not going to fight you. You have a real sword. And Joffrey takes his, goes, I'm not going to hurt him much, and starts cutting his cheek with the blade and, like, sticking the blade up against his cheek. And, and the kid, in his defense, doesn't – I don't think Joffrey was going to kill him. He was just going to maim him. And I think the kid almost accepts it at this point and just sits there to take it. But Arya doesn't take it. Fuck no, Arya doesn't take it. And she fucking hits him with a wooden sword in the leg, kicks him, knocks him down, takes his sword, throws his sword in the river. Throws rib- it right in the river. Actually, but first she takes the sword and has a moment where she makes eye contact with him like, I could kill you right now. I could easily. And he knows. He starts begging and squeaking. Please don't. Please, please don't. He's holding it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then she throws the sword in the water and she runs off because Arya is smart enough to know that this means probably the end of her pup. Like her pup's going to get killed after all of this. And Sansa goes over to comfort Joffrey and he just turns into a total fucking asshole douchebag motherfucker. And he's like, fucking don't touch me. Let's try that one more time together, Joe, because that was really awesome. One, two, three. Don't touch me, baby. That's what Joffrey does. Like a little fucking asshole. Like the British would call him a fucking cunt. He just acts like a fucking cunt. Sorry for the horrible British accent, but. 
A little fuck face. A little fucking fuck face, really. And, and, and everything I said earlier about maybe this guy's redeemable, this guy's just coming off like a dick. I hope yep. someone fucking stabs him in the fucking throat. So uh, Sansa tries comforting him, but it doesn't work. Arya, knowing that Nymeria's head's going to be fucked for this, runs out and does that old television animal thing where you have to let the animal go and you say go away, but the animal won't go. So you eventually have to throw a rock at it to make it go away. Yep, white fanged him. White fanged him. Thank you. Thank you, Katie and Joe. It was, so it was, re- it was really sad. And uh, it's past nightfall, and Arya's finally, and we see Ned Stark looking for Arya. Uh, we hear people shouting her name. And, uh, and someone comes up to Ned and goes, oh, she's been found. She got brought right before the queen. And Ned's pissed off. He's like, what do you mean she got? Why didn't you bring me my daughter first? This yep. is bullshit. Yep. And Question my daughter without me. And Robert says, uh, I just... Uh, I just wanted to handle this, get this, you know, taken care of as quickly as possible. And Cersei starts just barking. I'm Cersei Dannister. Go fuck yourself. Ned Stark. Well, and you definitely get the feeling like Robert's like, yeah, I know, Ned. You're absolutely, absolutely right. I'm so sorry about this. Because Ned is speaking like nobody would ever speak to a king. Right. Absolutely. And, and uh, Cersei's basically, all- Rob's, uh, Robert Baratheon kind of says, uh, it's. Yeah, because Cersei, uh, when it really comes down to it, Cersei's trying to, Cersei's almost doing uh, what she, her response to Ned talking this way is exactly what you're saying. She's like, you can't talk to your king like this. And Rob's like, yeah, he can. And Robert's like, yeah. yeah. He's the hand of the king. <laughs> he can he's talk. the only person that's allowed to talk, talk to, to me, me like this. And he's my, you know, and, he should be my brother-in-law, you stupid cunt. Shut up. Yeah, and... And, you can't talk to him like this. <laughs> and it, we get down to this a little bit later in the scene, but Robert's really thinking about Joffrey. I don't care what the story is. You let a little girl disarm you, and you're my yep. fucking son? Fuck you. You're yep. such a disappointment. You're such a disappointment yep. right now. And so that's he's really the only... He's about that. He's so... That's the only thing he's pissed about, really, when it comes down to it. He doesn't give a shit. because he knows it's all lies. He knows, exa- he knows who his son is, for the most part. You know, he yeah. knows it's lies, what he's hearing. Yeah, Joffrey's Joffrey and Cersei's story is that the two Arya and and the little boy beat Joffrey with sticks and then threw his sword into the uh, into the water. That's that's their story, and they're sticking to it. And Arya says uh, agrees that the wolf did bite him, but just bit him a little. Didn't really maim him. It's it's, it's just a, just a little bite. And uh, and then Robert says, I'm going to call your other daughter because you say one thing, you say the other thing. So we're going to have an indiscriminate point of view from Sansa. Oh, Sansa fucking hates Arya. And they bring her in. And in fairness, Sansa doesn't help out at all. She fucking says, I don't recall. I, pu- I yeah, plead the fifth. She lies. She, fl- she pleads the fifth, essentially. But she just goes. And I, and, and I don't want to say she gets what she deserves because – the animal certainly doesn't deserve it, but you know, right? She should. If she had spoken the truth, well, everybody would have been fine except for Joffrey, her prince. Right. So, so, so Arya's response to this is to start pulling her hair and beating the shit out of her. She's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> she just, she seriously just beats the fucking shit out of him, off her from behind until they break yeah, it up. Which is my favorite character. Which Cersei loves. She's like loving watching the Stark girls fight. She's smiling her ass off because she just likes watching Sansa be in pain. Yep. Yeah, it's like a cockfight to her. Exactly. She's like watching the cockfight. The the wolf or, or wolf fight is a better like uh you know the wolf fight, and uh, 
And she t and so Robert turns to Cersei and goes, what would you have me do? Whip this little girl in the streets? Kids fight. And uh, Robert's happy to let each father discipline their own child. And Cersei, but Cersei still wants some fucking blood. And she goes, demands oh, yeah. that the wolf must be killed for what, for maiming her son. And, and it's not even about that wolf. It's about blood because when uh, they say that the wolf is gone, that they can't find the wolf, they're like, well, if not that wolf, then the other one. Right. And and both this is when the, when the first and only times we see Arya and Sansa working together where they're both just like, Summer? Summer didn't do anything wrong. Summer's good. What the fuck? Yeah, they both come to, to Summer's aid. Right. And uh, in, in this moment also is around the time when Robert talks down to Joffrey and says, you let this little girl disarm you? You're such a pussy. And uh, Cer so Cersei sends Ilan Payne over to get the job done out in the stables. And Ned stop stops him. him. No way. And says, a butcher, a wolf is better. Excuse me, a wolf is of the north, and it's better than a butcher. And sad music crescendos. We get this, like, sad music chain of crescendo as, as Ned walks outside. And we see the hound returning from a hunt. In the day's hunt with a with a body slung across the horse's back and ned says micah the butcher's boy you rode him down and the hound says he ran but not run too fast but not too fast so ned attends his duty with really sad music playing as he's about to kill the wolf and uh, getting ready to cut its throat and right as he cuts the throat of the wolf and the eyes of the wolf close right at there we at the same time we were interwoven with uh, scenes of Bran and Bed and kind of this like uh, pan focus of going over to Bran till we get right to the point of when the wolf dies immediately Bran wakes up and that's how our episode ends fucking craziness Joe oh yeah dun, dun, dun. Episode. excellent Great episode up. now compared to, to the first episode I'd say as a whole I enjoyed the first episode more but this episode felt more like on the ground running this is yeah. this, this is where you get your first taste anyway. This is where you get your first taste of your favorite characters getting killed. Yep. The dire wolf. The dire wolf. You think those Yeah, exactly. You're like the dire wolf. Oh, I love that puppy. It's so nice. Sansa's dire wolf. I love them all. I love them all. Got to catch them all, Joe. And do you know what we <laughs> do you know what else all we got to do? We got to talk about all the episodes of Game of Thrones and we're going to be back next week to talk more about Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones episode 3, Joe. Woohoo! Oh, so episode three. If anybody has any questions they want to get in before the episode for us to address about episode three, you can email me at at igotissuesman at gmail .com or tweet me at igotissuesman. Tweet Joe at Dirty Locks. You can find any of our podcasts if you want to find audio versions of our audio casts or our video live streams that are higher quality audio versions of our broadcasts. You can check that out issuesprogram.com or on iTunes. You can find out all that information in the direct description box below. If you made this far and you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button, thumbs up. If you enjoyed the video, share it with your friends. And we're going to make it all the way through this Game of Thrones, Joe. We are fucking going to make it. Oh, yeah, we are. It's so much fun not to. Is I love talking about it. I love talking about it over and over again because I love the story and I love how the story progressed. And I can't wait for the next book and the next season and... When I talk about it with you and I listen to you talk about your take on everything, it really helps me formulate the things that I know and love and it allows me to remember things that I might not have, uh, might not remember and pick up the fourth or fifth time I'm watching it, little things that are new that I noticed that 
oh yeah, and this leads to something I found uh, later on in the series. Absolutely. And so I love discussing this stuff. No, it, it's it's so much fun being able to go back, and we are going to get finished with season one before season five starts, and then as we said, in between the seasons, we'll pick it up and and do other versions like this apologize for any technical difficulties we had during the stream if we uh, came in and out our signal internet is being a little bit of a bitch today with all the snow which and uh and during the day internet's being a little uh quirky here and there we will be back later this weekend on uh, saturday. saturday saturday evening at about 8 30 9 o'clock 9 30 probably around there 9 30 p.m we'll be be safe um we'll say around there to do Vikings, the season premiere of Vikings recap. And then on Sunday, uh, Walking Dead and Better Call Saul, and we'll do it all over again. So we're in this shit neck neck deep. Uh, you can't really see it, but let me move my camera for a second. The lighting. Or that we got, we got green screen and lighting. So I'm going to be making some uh, videos soon, some uh, shorter type reviews, and be able to uh, add some more content to the channel as well. So I uh, look forward to that stuff. I'm going to start out with doing some... Uh, Star Trek. So if there's any Trek fans out there, we'll uh, we'll do some of my Trek rants on that way, and also uh, make a short little uh, short little film uh, thing that I've been wanting to work on. So a couple of a couple of interesting pieces of com uh, content will be coming out in the next couple of months here on uh, the channel. So keep an eye out. And uh, yeah, I think we should go. Oh, B Trek says, was it ever explained in the books if Bran was really in a coma or if there was uh, something else going on? He said something else, but I don't want to say that. Um, it's not. It's not explained fully. It's alluded to at times, but um, it certainly does become clear over over time what you're getting at, you know. And uh, it's a definite possibility. But yeah, it's, it's a definite possibility. It's even alluded to kind of with some of the other characters in the books but not in the series so much exactly absolutely that's that, that's 100% true and that's something I wonder if it's going to be expanded on in the series as they go I really hope it is expanded upon Joe. because especially with the way some of the characters go it helps understand the way they're able to deal with things <laughs> uh Rachel 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 says I cannot wait for Vikings definitely looking forward to reviews on that I, I'm really excited uh, tracks we're not even going to repeat that line that you wrote <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely get into that and explore that in Star Trek. I'm glad we have at least one Star Trek fan. Can we ban B Tracks from ever leaving <laughs> comment again? Well, I like her a lot better after watching I'm Orange. Just kidding, by the way. I I like it a lot better after watching Orange is the New Black. I have new respect for. Uh, okay. Uh, well, yeah, when you get a better respect for some of the actors, but still definitely the weakest. In, uh, okay, different different podcast, different day. I also want to mention if anyone's gotten to this point in the video, just just to uh, be clear about something. If anyone's looking for the very first episode of, uh, I'm not going to get too into this, I just want to mention it, uh, the Better Call uh, Saul premiere episode, uh, the recap that I did. Oh. It's some, I, it got flagged by someone in the community, so someone out there listening might have been the person that flagged it. But um, So if anyone's looking for it, unfortunately, the community strike was reversed when YouTube looked into it, but because they had already taken down the video, they could not reinstate the video. So I don't have any strikes against my account, but the video was gone. So if anyone's looking for that video, I'd like to thank everyone that checked it out. And uh, perhaps after the Better Call Saul... Phil, ultimately, it's your own fault because as the great quit screen, screen once said, all unsaved data 
Absolutely. It's my fault for not backing up that recording with even an audio recording. So if you did hear that Better Call Saul podcast, the one that was just me ranting about the first episode, consider yourself lucky. You were one of the few. It's kind of like uh, like uh, Ren Renwood was one of the few people to actually, and I think B-Tracks as well, to see me stream the second episode of uh, the Telltale game because because the video got fouled up after the fact. But, uh, but anyways, folks, thank you so much, guys. We will... Uh, <laughs> We will talk to you guys soon. I just wanted to let you guys know if you're looking for that video where it disappeared to. Thank you guys for the continued support and sharing and liking and commenting on the videos. It really, really helps us. And as I mentioned earlier, if any of you guys are, are use iTunes or Stitcher, you can find our streams on, on those. iTunes has a stream for all our podcasts, and then we have individual ones for the Game of Thrones and Walking Dead. So you can look, check out all that stuff in the description below. Thanks, everybody, and talk to you Saturday. Peace.